Happy New Year! <laughs> I feel like with these episodes airing on Mondays, we've celebrated a lot of holidays together over the last couple of weeks. I hope that you are all heading into the new year feeling a lot of hope, and I think that today's episode is going to help with that. A couple of weeks ago, we had Lauren Golden on the podcast, and she shared three tips for creating more time in your day. One of the tips that she talked about was having a daily five, where you prioritize the five most important things that you need to accomplish that day, and you go down the list one by one, and you don't move on to the next one until the first one's done, and so on and so forth. And many, many listeners loved that idea, but then I also had a lot of questions where people said, when you're a mom, you can't just necessarily knock out a project all at once. It's not like you can put number one is organize the laundry room and not move on to anything else until it's done. That's just not the way that motherhood works. So do you break it down and put each little step on your daily five or how does that work? If you want more information about how Lauren does the daily five, you can go to her website where she has a sheet that talks more about that. But what I thought when I got those questions was actually about this episode with April Perry that aired almost a year ago where she talks about a step-by-step process for getting out of overwhelm. She talks about actually taking big projects and breaking them down so small that you are just putting next actions on your to-do list, literally the next tiny little step that needs to happen to move that project forward. So I really think combining these two methods, Lauren Golden's The Daily Five, And April Perry's concept of next actions could be game-changing for a lot of moms who probably have a lot of big goals heading into a new year. As you're going to hear, April is one of my absolute mentors who's changed the course of my life in many ways, and I cannot recommend her work highly enough. If this episode piques your interest, I encourage you to go over to Learn, Do, Become and to possibly enroll in her full program, which is called the STEP program. Everything that April does is extremely well done, straight from the heart, and so effective. This woman is a productivity genius, I'm telling you. So I'm excited to introduce you to just a couple of her basic tips today, and then I encourage you to go and find out more. So this is an encore episode of what was originally episode 14, Getting Out of Overwhelm, A Step-by-Step Process. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. If you're anything like me, your head is often swimming with to-dos. Sometimes it's hard to sleep. It's hard to stay focused on the task that you're working on or to be present with your family when you're trying to have fun together. At the end of the day, you might go to bed feeling like you don't even know what you got accomplished, even though you know you were working hard all day and thinking even harder all day. So does the to-do list ever get any shorter? (laughs) That's how I often feel. And if there's one person in this world who understands how it feels to be an overwhelmed mom and who also has tools, really awesome tools to help us to overcome it, it's today's guest, April Perry. 
April is the co-founder of the website Power of Moms, which I can honestly say was an answer to desperate prayers for me when I was an overwhelmed new mom. And um, April's specialty is teaching us how to get things done and to be more present with our families. And she does it with so much love and compassion for moms. She has spent literally thousands of hours developing organization systems that work in her home and other homes. And a few years ago, she and her husband started another website called Learn Do Become, which I'm sure she will tell us more about in the episode. So she is a mother of four. She's a business owner. She is a powerful thought leader, an organization guru. (laughs) And with all of that, she's also just a compassionate, remarkable person and a dear friend of mine. And so I wanted to welcome April Perry to the podcast. Hi, April. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. And I totally just had a meltdown yesterday. So hopefully everyone knows I'm totally normal in the (laughs) middle of all this. And she's human, too. And that's what I love about you (laughs) is that you admit that and give so much hope to moms. (laughs) And before we start, I did just want to tell the listeners a little bit about how important you are to me personally. So if they've listened to some of my other episodes, they've heard me mention Power of Moms. When I was a brand new mom, I was I had a colicky baby. I was just so unhappy and came across Power of Moms and decided to start submitting articles and then start became an editor and just got to know you through that. And um, we've, we recorded several podcasts together for Power of Moms. And you were actually the first person that said to me, you should start a podcast, Rachel. Yay! <laughs> so you are the reason so why we are here today. And I just like, honestly, you've changed my life. I mean that 100%. And you are Aww. like, along with my own mother, my mother-in-law and those moms that I really look up to, like you are one of the biggest mothering mentors in my life. So it is a real honor to have you come on today. Thanks, Rachel. Oh my gosh. I'm so proud of you because there are a lot of people who want to do more with their talents and skills and you take it and run with it. And I love it. So I've been listening to your podcast. I'm so excited for you. So proud of you and just privileged to be here today. Well, thank you. So today we are talking about the title of the podcast is a step-by-step process for getting out of overwhelm. And as I said in my intro there, I think a lot of us know what that feels like. And so help us, April. (laughs) What, (laughs) What is your first takeaway for how we can get out of overwhelm? And you can tell us a little bit too about um, how how you've developed these systems over time or however you want to get started. But tell us that first takeaway. Okay, well, I'll share the takeaway and then I'll share a little bit of the backstory. Our first takeaway is that we need to make an accurate list of the projects that we have on our plate. Now, the reason why this is helpful is because most people, if I sat down with you individually and we did an honest deep dive into the number of current projects that you're working on, we would come up with between 50 and 100, or I would say for mothers, it's more like 300 or 500 projects that we're trying to do at the same time. Now, what happens is we don't always know their projects. We think they're to-dos, or we think that they're just all this stuff coming at us. We don't quite understand what's happening. So basically, just take you back in time, I was 
severely overwhelmed when I had four little children and my husband was super busy and I had way too much on my plate and I was trying to do too much and I was working as hard as I could all day and then every night I was going to bed feeling like I had completely failed. Mm. And that actually is the mom that I'm fighting for right now. It's the mom who's like giving her all to take care of her family and then at the end of the day, I think she's failing like that should not be. It should not be for any of us to feel that way because it's just not the case. But the problem is that we set these high expectations for ourselves and we think that we can do more than we humanly can do. And so as I started researching, I mean, I was looking at every time management book I could find. I was I had worked at Franklin Covey. I'd gone to planning seminars. I thought that I was really good at planning and I would make lists and I'd make routines and I'd organize and I was trying to do everything I could. But most of the information I was finding out there was for somebody who had control over their life, which I did not. And I found that pretty much every other mother I met, and it turns out business professionals, also don't feel like they have control over their lives. So what we have to do is change the way we organize because when we make a super long to-do list, most often that list is not made optimally. We have a list that's like some projects, some tasks, some routines, some goals. Some of them are computers, some are homes, some are errands, some we can't even do, we have to delegate. And so you end up with these big long lists. I mean, I used to have four to five pages. I would like empty out my brain, write everything down, and then I would just try to work from it. And that's like ridiculous. It's mm. like you cannot do that. So, well, one thing that you said there is that moms don't have control of their lives. Do you, do you mean that like because of outside factors, they don't have control of their lives because of all their children? Because um, that's what I found as a mom is before I became a mom, my time was really determined by me a lot of the time. And then I right. became a mom right. and I, I didn't have that control. Is that what you meant by that? Yeah. So like, for example, when I taught at Franklin or when I did Franklin Covey, I you know worked there and taught everyone how to use my Franklin Covey planner, which I love my Franklin Covey planner. I still use one. I think it's fantastic. But the the system that we were taught was like ABC for priorities and then one, two, three for what order it was going to be done in. So I would sit down at the beginning of the day and I would write ABC, one, two, three. And then a child gets up at 6 a.m. with an earache and is crying. And I'm like, well, there goes my gym. <laughs> like, I'm not going to go to the gym now because my child's sick. we got to go to the doctor. And then or you plan out, oh, I'm going to, you know, do some email. And then you've got another child who's having a total meltdown or the kids are fighting or something's happening. And then someone has a messy diaper and then the nap didn't happen when it was supposed to happen. And then someone's hungry. And then people are knocking at the door and the kid's down the street. I mean, it's just like it, as your mother, you're in the middle of a hurricane like all the time. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a task list that's prepared for someone who's sitting calmly in an office with 10 hours to work and you have a real life that consists of absolute craziness, you can't make those two work together without figuring out some way to adapt, right? right? And what typically happens, though, is that I find mothers so desperate to get their list done, sometimes because it has to get done. You know, I've got to pay my bills. I've got to run a business. I've got to, you know, whatever I need to do. They're so desperate to get their list done that they just resort to putting the kids in front of a screen for as many hours a day as they can, or they send the kids away from them and they work on that list 
in a very haphazard way and then go to bed feeling very unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And that's what was happening to me. I'd be pushing my kids off because I have to get something done. And then I wasn't enjoying my life. I wasn't getting things done. And I was just feeling miserable at the end of it. And now it's a total opposite. So with that first takeaway that we need to make an accurate list of the projects we have on our plate, so do you so would you actually advise mothers to sit down and make a list and write everything out? Yes. So here's the way that I would recommend doing this. First of all, I want you to list projects, meaning multi-step tasks. And that includes things like, um, okay, I have a PowerPoint presentation I have to put together for work or something like for you, Rachel, it's like, okay, I'm working on establishing my podcast routine, right? That was a project that you had to put into place or just getting the podcast launched. That was a project. You might have a project like I've got a birthday party I need to plan, or we all need winter clothes or summer clothes, or I'm planning our family vacation or whatever that is. But then also I want you writing down projects that we often don't analyze or we don't identify. Things like, I have a child who is not honest right now, and I need to help that child learn to be honest. Or I'm emotionally healing from something right now. Like, I need to go through this process and really allow myself time to heal. Or I have a child with allergies. We've got to figure out how to take care of these allergies. Like, there's a lot of things that we do as mothers that we we just don't count it. We think, oh, yeah, I can be emotionally available to everyone and I can, you know, solve all my children's problems and everything. And in the middle of all the other projects that really do count, which are things you can like check off a list a little bit better. But but I think when you can really sit down and write down what are all the things that I'm trying to do simultaneously, I guarantee you're going to have more than 50. But then what I want you to do, pick seven or eight maximum for the month. Mm-hmm. And you can add more later if you want. Or if you feel like that's too many, just pick two or three. You don't have to have seven or eight. But pick like a super short list of, okay, here's the projects I'm going to work on this month. And we categorize it. We have projects for me, projects for my family, and then beyond. So something like your podcast or something like volunteering at the elementary school bake sale, like that you're coordinating that, you know, something that's multi-stepped. But if you can have seven or eight maximum organized by, for me, my family, and beyond, Everything else is on a feeder list, like a next in line list. That's mm-hmm. going to save you because then you can say, okay, here's my project. Like right now, we're just getting our house cleaned up from last month. <laughs> we had a lot of craziness last month. Travel, a lot of stuff happening. Our house is still recovering. So getting my house recovered is a for my family project. Mm-hmm. Um, for my me project, it's like establishing better family goals and like personal goals for the year. That's a for me project. But like these are specific projects I have to count because I'm not going to move on and try to do more and more and more until I get these initial projects done. Right. Okay. So once you've and once you've chosen your seven or eight that you're going to focus on this month, um, you just keep the list of the rest of it to look at for next month. Right. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, what do you do with that list of seven or eight? Does that lead to your second takeaway? Yes. So the second takeaway is then we keep our super focused list where we can check in regularly to make sure we're on course. Now, ideally, we're each doing a weekly review, but I need to have my list like, here's my projects. This is what I'm doing this month right in front of me. So I keep mine on a whiteboard right now hanging in like our upstairs area where I have a little desk, a little loft area. 
and I have a whiteboard and I have my, I have five projects that I'm doing this month. So they're right in front of me. And as I'm doing my weekly review, I'm looking at this reminding me, these are my projects. Now, the reason that's important, it doesn't have to be on a whiteboard. You could have it on like an Evernote or your notes app in your phone. You could have it in uh, your planner on a big post-it note. You could have it on a piece of paper in a binder. It doesn't matter where you put it, but you can't have like 10 current projects list because you know they're all going to be different. You need like one list that you can look at and say, these are my projects for the month. Now, it's important for a few reasons, but one of the reasons it's really important is because when it's in front of you or when you're looking at it regularly, it's going to help you to focus your tasks. So you're remembering, okay, that's what I need to do. Second, it's going to prevent you from getting distracted because what will happen, and this is this is like chronic for mothers, is that... We have our list of seven or eight next actions or seven or eight current projects. And then someone comes to us and says, oh, hey, could you take this on as well? And it's a project. It's not just like, oh, can you make a phone call for me? It's like, oh, can you help coordinate this or figure this out or host this? Or, you know, we've got a class party on Friday. Can you put this together? Someone will come to us and ask us to do something else. And we're like, oh, sure. So we take it. And then someone else asks us to do something and we take it. And then we get a new idea and we take it. And then pretty soon our seven or eight projects is now 23 projects And then we're not breathing and we're freaking out. So what we have to do is if you say yes to an incoming project, you've got to take off one of your previous ones. So I think of it kind of like a little pyramid, like you can only have a few at the top. And if you're going to say yes to something, you have to decide which of your other projects is going to be, you know, demoted to your next in line list or put off for the next month. And that gives you the opportunity to make really important decisions. So, for example, this is going to help if you're at work. It's going to help with you're talking to your spouse. If my husband comes to me and he's like, hey, April, um, I need your help on doing X, Y, Z. Like, this is really important for us to do this month. I'm going to say, okay, yeah, I'm happy to help you. Let me show you my list of current projects. Which one do you think we should put off so I have the bandwidth for this new one? Now, that's a question you could also ask if you have an employer or something like that. And they're saying, hey, can you do this? You're like, sure, I'd be happy to. So I learned this from essentialism from Greg McEwen. Yeah, which one would you like me to deprioritize? And so that way you start a conversation where the people in your life, whether it's your children, whether it's the teachers at school, whether it's someone at church or a spouse or someone, that when they ask you to do something, that you're actually like letting them know, okay, if I do this, I'm going to have to deprioritize something else. It also is going to make you better at saying no. Because, mm-hmm. for example, I have, you know, like everybody, you have people who call you and ask you to do things for them. And I love being helpful. And I think that's the thing with most women is that we want to be helpful. We want to serve. We want to be like kind and and do as much as we can. But I've learned when I say yes to something, Usually what's going to happen is I'm either saying no to my sleep or no to my husband or no to my children. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm invited to do something, I have to ask, is this invitation more important than my sleep, my husband or my kids? And now I'm really good at saying no (laughs) because I have to. So what do you, how do you say no? Um, Even just... Even just having a script, I think, can be really helpful to women. So if you have your seven or eight priorities and someone asks you, how would you gently say no to them? Okay, so I would say, first of all, in my heart, I would love to help you. (laughs) Usually there's something like that. I usually let people know. I'm excited for you. I'm so honored you would ask me. Oh, in my heart, I would be over there in a heartbeat, you know, helping you, doing this for you. Um, But, you know, this isn't going to work right now for me and my family. And so 
that phrase has been super helpful to me. It's just not going to work right now for me and my family. You know, I really wish I could. Sometimes what I'll do is try to figure out a way like, oh, hey, I can't talk to you about this individually right now, but I'm going to see you next week at that event. You know, if I'm there a couple minutes early, we could just chat before the event, you know, kind of give like another way to help. Um, Also, usually there's something that you can do as like a a partial support. For example, if someone says, Hey, can you babysit my kids for me next week? Like I'm going to be out of town. I need a babysitter from like three until seven. Cause I had a friend one time who asked me this and I was like drowning at the time. And I'm thinking three until seven to have several additional children. Like I'm really going to have, like, it's not going to work for me, but I wanted to be helpful. So I said, Hey, I can do three to four 30. And if you can arrange for somebody to come pick them up at 4.30 from my house, that's great. If it's easier for you to find someone who can do the whole 3 to 7, yeah, that's fine too. But I'm happy to do 3 to 4.30. So it's like that partial no. Mm -hmm. But it's really helpful. But the thing is, if you don't know what projects are already on your plate and you don't know which ones are your highest priority – Then when people ask you to help, you're just going to say, oh, yes, 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 yes. Or you say no and you feel awful. Mm -hmm. But when you know, like, I have to say no because otherwise my marriage or my family or my personal life is going to, like, be suffering, you know, it's. I think that's just super important for us to have that skill to know how to do that. Right. And I do think that having those seven or eight projects can be a lens that you see everything through. And it may be someone asks you to do something and you think, actually, that fits in quite well with one of my projects. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, and it's you can always say, let me get back to you on that. You know, when someone right. asks you and then go home, look at your project list and think, does this actually fit? Will it help? Will it not? And then you can respond with an answer. Yes. I mean, this podcast with you fit in perfectly because I'm like, hey, we're going to put this on Power of Moms radio as well. And that's something I'm working on. So I get to not only talk with my friend Rachel, but we can record this and we can share it with two different podcast communities. Right. So that's why I'm here with you right now, because I already know you and trust you. And I'm like, oh, we're going to have fun talking together. But, you know, we you emailed me a couple months ago about this. And I was like, Oh, I just can't do it right now. You know, it'd be like, my mom had just passed away, a lot had happened. And so I said, No, I'm sorry, I can't do it right now. And you know, I mean, hopefully you didn't hate me because you no, invited I didn't. me back. So <laughs> I completely understood. understood. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so same. and same thing if I if you were to say, Hey, April, something's come up and my kids are really sick right now, or something's going on, I just am not able to record today. Oh, yeah, no problem. Let's figure out in the future. I mean, the thing is, we're all human, and we're all doing the best that we can. And so when we can just make sure, though, I think it was Christy, right, though, who said, I'd rather have an honest no than a dishonest yes. Mm -hmm. That really resonated with me. I would rather be the person saying, I'm sorry, I'm not able to do that right now, than to say yes, 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 yes. And then be exhausted and frustrated and not giving my best, you know? And And that makes sense logically, but it is hard. (laughs) Yeah. And resenting the person who asked you, you know? It's like you said yes, and yet you're you're resentful of what they asked you to do. That's not fair to them either. (laughs) So, (laughs) Okay. And then what is your third takeaway? All right. Things become so much easier when we get good at identifying next actions. This was a game changer for me because... Often we think about the whole project. We get totally paralyzed. Like I was talking with a mom one time and she said, 
I need to take pictures of my kids. She's like, I have no pictures of my kids. I never take pictures of them. Now, this was prior to our cell phones having awesome cameras. So this was back in the day. You actually had to have a digital camera that you carried with you, right? Mm -hmm. It's gotten so much easier. But I said, okay, well, what, what's your next action for, like, why don't you take pictures of your kids? And she said, well, because I've got a camera, but I don't know how to use it. And I don't think the battery's charged. And I don't even know where the charger is. And she's like, even just talking to you, I'm getting like shivers down to my toes because I'm so stressed, right? Mm -hmm. Like you think about something you need to do and it feels so overwhelming. You just kind of stop thinking about it. I was talking with someone who said, I have a computer that's full of files and I can't even store one more thing on it. But I need to get everything off to an external hard drive, but I can't do that. And they had all these reasons why, right? So it was like that as you kind of go to the root cause of why you're not doing something, you start feeling so overwhelmed that you usually just go eat chocolate instead of trying to do something or move forward. Mm -hmm. So we often just feel paralyzed. So instead, what we do is we boil it all the way down to a next action that is so easy that we couldn't put it off if we tried. So for my friend who was like, I never take pictures of my kids. It's like, okay, well, the next step, it sounds like, is you need to find the battery charger for your camera. So if you could know kind of where it is, you could have a next step to just go look around that drawer and try to find that battery charger. If you absolutely can't find it, you could order a new one online. So you could go onto Amazon, probably $6, you could buy a new charger or something like that for this little camera that you have. That could be a next action. If it's something like, okay, For you, getting a podcast launched, if someone's like, oh, I want to do a podcast. Okay, well, what's the next step? Well, like, I think I referred you to that um, Podcaster's Paradise. They have a free podcaster's course, which Mm -hmm. is awesome. Hey, go sign up for that. They're going to send you emails and videos and you'll get like a step-by-step training. That you can do in five minutes or less and just get it done. Um, For a lot of people, if it's something like, okay, I've got to clean the toy room. I just feel so overwhelmed. I don't even know how to start with the toy room. Okay, well, could a next action be you're just going to go in the toy room and create a little plan on a piece of paper of what you want it to look like, where you want things stacked in bins, if maybe you want some shelves, if, I mean, I don't have a toy room, but like if I did have a toy room, you know, like here's what I would do. But you could spend 10 minutes creating a little vision or if I need to find a new dentist and I've got to get dental work organized. Okay, could you just go on? online, log into your dental insurance and find at least a few dentists that you could choose from. I mean, picking something so specific that you couldn't procrastinate, even if you tried, that's a next action. And we actually, we have a class at um, learn to become it learn to become.com forward slash step where we'll like walk you through this and do a workshop for you if you want. But that's the whole goal is to be able to have things super simple so you don't feel overwhelmed anymore. Right. And that I, I was going to ask you to tell us more about that. So April has actually um, developed a whole system for how to do this that is so effective. It's based on the principles of David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, which was written for business people. And then she figured out how to apply it to family life and um It was originally sold on Power of Moms as Mind Organization for Moms, but they're now switching it over to their new website, which is learndobecome.com, and it's called the STEP program. Is that correct, April? Yes, and I know because I started doing it just for mothers, which I loved, but then people started saying, 
well, what about dads or what about people who aren't moms? And so our step program works for everyone, but it's super step-by-step. I love it. And that's where we are devoting our energy. So yeah, learndobecome.com forward slash step. Learn more about it, but it helps you as moms. It helps you as a person, helps you in your business or whatever other activities you're doing. But that's just my passion. I have this goal to have a command central on every desk. Don't you think that'd be awesome? (laughs) I do. Yep. And that I love that you said that that mothers are they're running corporations, you know, they're running their homes. And all of these principles that apply to being an effective leader in business really do apply in our homes. And if we just learn these tools and skills for getting things done, we'll have clearer minds to be able to interact with our families and to love our children better and to be present for them. And those are all really valuable skills that you have taught me. So thank you for all of this work that you've done for families and continue to do. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Rachel. Did you get all that? (laughs) April has spent literally thousands of hours thinking about and refining this process as I'm sure you could tell. She's a wealth of information, and this is just barely skimming the surface of everything that she has put together and has to offer. Before we end, I wanted to recap those three takeaways for you so that we can all get started with getting out of overwhelm this week. First takeaway, we need to make an accurate list of the projects that we have on our minds. And the key word there is accurate. She said that we need to include things that we might not typically think of as projects because they can't go on a to-do list. Things like teaching our children how to be honest or taking time to heal from a trauma that we've been through. Those are all projects that take a significant amount of time from our life and emotional energy, so they should go on the list. And April defines a project as anything that is multi-step. So this is different than just like a quick call to the doctor to make an appointment or a quick to-do. You may have, you'll have a separate list of to-dos that you'll work from, you know, during your day, just the stuff that needs to be done. But then you'll have this accurate list of projects that are the bigger things that maybe you chip away at little by little, but they're multi-step things that are important to you. So make an accurate list of those projects then look at that list of projects and there will probably be a lot on it. And takeaway number two is that you have to choose and narrow. She said at the most seven or eight, but honestly, depending on how big those projects are, sometimes it's best to just have two or three. Then you use those projects, that list, that accurate list of projects, you write it somewhere that you can check it often in your in your day planner, on a whiteboard, wherever it is that you sit to do your planning, and you use it as like a lens to decide what you say yes and what you say no to in your life, and you work from it every week as you are making your to-do lists. You look at your project list and think, what are some small to-dos that would move this project along? Which leads to takeaway number three, which is to just identify your next action. And that that will take away the paralyzed feeling of some of these bigger projects. So you look at the big projects on the whiteboard and then you think, what is the next tiny specific thing that I need to do to move that project forward and you write that on your to-do list 
If these three tips have piqued your interest, you really need to go check out what else they have to offer at Learn Do Become. Since this episode originally aired, they have developed some more resources such as a free steps to everyday productivity training called How to Finally Stop Drowning in Piles. Don't we all need that? You can find the link to that free training in the show notes of this episode or on my website. I hope that all of you have had a very restful holiday season and are looking forward to a new year with new hope and new goals and new ideas and excitement for the future. I know I am, and I can't wait. Next week, we're going to be back to our regularly scheduled new episodes, and I'll give you a hint. Our first guest in 2019 is going to be a fan favorite, Dr. Katie Penry. She'll be back for the third time with her adorable Southern accent and spunk, teaching us about how to be great moms. So I will see you back on Monday and I hope you have a fantastic week with your family.